Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art in music, focusing on French electronic music duo Justice and their very first LP, often dubbed cross to hash it out we are once again joined by the dvno himself mr theodore t buck welcome back to the show buck thank you i'm just here to uh let there be light I'm <laughs> jack i'm just looking the phantom and phantom part two don't stress out i'm gonna walk over the waters of nazareth and one night to midnight we'll start this I thought that was good. Oh, that was good. Oh, man, that was good. Thank Track you, Mr. DVNO. Four capital yeah. letters printed in gold. gold. Um, yeah. Now, I got I, I do have an improv question for you right yeah. away before we, where we dig into the thesis. So this album, Justice LP1, what do you actually call it? Because there's technically three different names. And what I have always thought of it as, as an unnamed first LP, where the cross symbol was actually the title of the album yeah so uh, for years i just called it justice and yeah and then, a lot of people and, and, and do it was a like self-titled a cross yeah lp1 yeah right you just it was the cross album but i think over the years more people have referred it just to cross i still i i still want to i'm still want to hold on to that it's the symbol it's the yeah it's the it cross could, symbol as the official lp1 title which is that's was, what I think was it, it just the yeah the symbology of it the literal symbol okay well we will uh we'll hash it out a little more in the discussion section before we get there let's tell the good people why one 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 t-buck tangent corner already okay let's do it how how many people bought this album thinking it was a christian album i think oh i'm so glad you brought this up because i i think a lot of people did honestly and i wanted to Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up. I wanted to ask you this anyways, but since we're on the topic, how much do you think a little bit of religiosity, Christianity is actually in there, is actually in the album and that they actually believe? That's a good thing because I've never thought of it that way, even though... Because they have talked about this in interviews a little bit. Yeah, if you look at the, the song track titles, there's definitely... I mean, oh yeah Genesis, there, there's, there's waters Genesis. of nazareth i mean you know dvno so, you know i did uh i did your intro as our dvno dvno is just a um a phonetic way of saying divino which is yeah, divine in divine, french yeah. or latin so yeah i mean there, there's and definitely talking about him i'm like i don't but then uh, i ask because Anybody that's a, that's a justice head like we are know that these guys are you know they're smoking cigarettes on stage they have their punk rock look they're drinking a fifth of you know Jack at the after party like they're they're not very Christian I mean they're they're stereotypical French house musicians I mean they look like it you know you know the French love to put out their, their like duos every, every yeah every picture you see so yeah I mean. I think people sometimes, you know, they throw that. So in you think it's really it, it was a part of the image of I this opera disco album, yeah. And I, I think a lot a of character uh, building piece more so than what they truly believe. Exactly, 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's well, so let's tell the good people while we're talking about this guy today. And you knew, uh, Buck, you knew this was going to happen. We we're going to talk about Justice one day, yeah. and uh, they only have three studio albums, and we all know the breakthrough, the groundbreaker, the changing the genre forever was Cross, because yeah. there's been a lot of amazing milestones in the history that is EDM, IDM, and of what we have dubbed sometimes ADM that has helped push the genre forward to new heights and new frontiers from Kraftwerk to the 1984 album E2 to E4 to Affect Twins work to Boards of Canada, of course, to Daft Punk. And we believe today we need to officially put Cross on that list because it's another album that changed the genre forever and again raised the bar. And maybe an epitaph a little bit. Ooh, ooh, elaborate. Hmm. Well, you know, well, I don't know if we want to get into this now, but... um. I would say this is the last big French house album. Mm, why? Why do you feel that way? Um, Let's go ahead and get into it now. Yeah, you want to get into it? Let's yeah, get into so, it. Let's get so into it. remember that the, when this came out. <laughs> These this size, was, guys. It's like, oh, <laughs> this, this, this keeps them up at night, guys. So we, we were seeing a big kind of shift in ED, the EDM genre. We should remind the good people time. that uh, Buck is our resident uh, EDM expert, historian. So, sure. Yeah, like, yeah. And you're talking to an older guy who who loves his, like, early 2000s, late 90s IDM, you know, EDM, drum and bass. Early, 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 early dubstep that not, not the, not the dubstep yeah, you think of, but the South Because this garage. is kind of the early dubstep. Yeah. And we're going to, yeah, we're going to talk about that later. Yeah, so... So yeah, so so this was definitely a time where dubs, what we we know in here in the U.S. is dubstep was starting to kind of make that transition. But French house was still kind of on top. You had obviously the biggest Daft one Punk, of them yep. all, uh, Daft yep. Punk. You had Busy B, uh, Busy P. Yeah. So you had this going on, um, and and but it was kind of getting long in the tooth a little bit. French house was. So this came on the scene. It was huge. It blew up. But then only a few short years later, you started seeing. And I think the perfect example of this is when Justice released their 2011 yeah, album. Audio didn't video really make disco. that big of a splash. And then when you, yeah, when you really t- could tell is in 2013, right. random access memories. It's not a, it's not really an EDM or a, a, per, electronic album per se. It's got it's elements a disco of album. it, but it's a disco Absolutely. album. It's a new disco album. So you start seeing a lot of these French house groups or electronics, get, you know, um, do is like start changing their sound a little bit. So this is kind of mm. like the end, I think. Like of this generation kind of dominates. Yeah, and it went out with a bang. I mean, this was a great one. But do you feel like you th- you feel like two thousand seven's cross was the end, specifically the end of that generation, or the two thousand eleven two thousand thirteen? Audio video disco slash uh, RAM. I would say 2008, 2009. Like that's when it started really declining. I think it was still at the top here, but then you had a new sound come out. You had a lot of people that you had an explosion of people who weren't really in the EDM starting to get into EDM. You had new kind of sounds. You had artists like uh, Dead Mouse that was really Dead Mouse, Skrillex, Melvin Harris. Cascade. We see a ton of them still. Um, you know, run run the yeah, festival Swedish circuits and everything. Absolutely. And then that dubstep sound kind of 
took over really for a while, shined really bright, and then died out really quickly. <laughs> well, before before it died out, let's get to know the brothers, the two men that is Justice, and then talk about the grand, this groundbreaking LP1 cross. So just as we've already talked about, the duo is from Paris, France, and Justice consists of musicians Jasper Osha and Xavier Durrani. They've made three studio albums, as already discussed, uh, 2016's Woman, 2011's Audio Video Disco, and 2007's Cross, which, of, of course, will be the focus of today's subject. Throughout their career, they've been nominated for 45 different awards from various different publications and award shows and have won 14 of them, including two Grammys. Now, before we can hash it out and discuss this groundbreaking album, we all need a little break from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, well, buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it won't be disappointed so please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures now back to the show so buck we are back and now we need to focus on the knit and gritty and that is lp1 cross let's do a little history well we already gave them a big history lesson let's let's give them a history lesson on just the album now so it was released digitally on june 11th 2007 and to most other markets on june 18th it clocks in at approximately 48 minutes and 13 seconds depending on the version you're listening to and it was both written and produced by justice of course except we're noted in their liner notes now the theme the themes, as again already discussed, is an opera, kind of the first of its kind in the EDM yeah. realm. Uh, in terms of, you know, we've seen concept albums before, you know, since since the sixties and seventies, but we haven't seen EDM embrace the opera or what they sometimes dub opera disco. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a different take. Mm-hmm. On the genre, it, it's one of those things too. Like you've you've heard me say this for years: a perfect album is the one that you put down, and it just feels like it's one continuous song. And you just oh yeah, can listen to the whole thing. And this definitely is that, and it feels like there are movements. There feels like a different, definitely um, operatic themes, and just the way the the album is structured, where it kind of flows into each other. Obviously, there's no gap between songs and stuff like that it's just continuous playback but it it feels like it's one whole piece together and i think you've had some albums that were like that in the past but maybe not one that took it to this extreme Mm. per se Mm -hmm. in this genre so you know generally with edm you have a lot of songs a lot of tracks i should say 
where you have long intro leads and you have some of that in here too. But you know, a lot of that, the purpose of it, and like I've had friends make fun of this, say, geez, 32 measures of the same beat. You know, you just have to sit there through it. There are a but lot like that. Pur- yes. Well, there's a, <laughs> but not there's a definite one. purpose for that. Yeah. No, but the purpose for that usually in tracks is so that you, the DJ, whoever is playing can sync up his beats or it kind of key and flow it, into the next piece playing, and flow into the right. next flow into the song. So there, there's definitely a purpose behind it, but this feels more of like a, like I said, a continuous kind of whole piece and not just uh, individual songs. Absolutely. It's, it's one vision. It's one complete yep. vision from beginning, middle and end. And I think we need to talk about sound and music musicality a little bit from that Mm -hmm. because they also embraced you know not only traditional edm staples but hard and heavy rock uh was often infused with the strong use of distortion throughout most of their albums obviously it's they're they're using a lot of synths and bass synths and sampling work and in what they've called micro sampling which we've we've seen countless times before now uh, nowadays you know with girl talk and things like that um but uh, we yeah. haven't at the time, so yeah. 2007, again, we haven't, we didn't really see anything quite like this until Justice put out LP1 Cross. And that's why, for a lot of ways, it was very groundbreaking and it helped influence EDM artists ever since. The sampling is fascinating yeah. too because they have said on record that there is 400 plus small album samples and micro samples that they've used everywhere throughout their entire album, including things like Slipknot, 50 Mm -hmm. Cent, and a variety of others, even that can be found on Genesis, which is probably a good segue to start talking about the album. So we're going to do what we always do here at AOTB, and that's we're going to go through the album track by track, top to bottom. So we're going to start the, uh, the opener is Genesis, track one. And what an opener with that little horn motif that dun, 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 Dun 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 dun. It it brings you in, it right? Jumps right, right. In. Yeah. It it's a it's a tone setter. It's an album setter. Um. It it tells you exactly what you're in store for, and it has those hints of dub in there, and it really takes its time to drop into that chorus. Well, Genesis, it's it's epic, and that's where we we come into. We this start with like, epicness. Yes. Yeah. We start with epic epicness. You know, it's building up, and it's kind of building that tension when it first starts, like. You said that horn section it drops into the beat and then you got like that electronic kind of sound you got like a nice little bass line going on and then some sampling of some vocals that are distorted obviously but some of those are it, slipknot <laughs> yeah, yeah some of them are and, and and one thing i want to say you know a lot of people give a lot of electronic artists a hard time saying they're not true musicians or anything like that because they're sampling and stealing from other things that is an art in itself in my opinion absolutely yeah. even if they're not playing it it if you just go in and sample something and you're not doing any processing or anything like that, if you try to put that together, it might, you know, anybody trying to put that together, it's not going to work. There, there, there takes some skill and some talent and some music knowledge to really put that in there. So, I mean, definitely if the other thing I've been told to by one of my friends, that's an electronic artist that he said, if you can put, if you can sample something and it brings a familiarity, but you can't really tell where it's from, sometimes that is better than actually you know, doing that because it's it's giving a unique perspective on a sound that you haven't heard that you've heard, but you you haven't really heard before. If that makes sense, I I use this. I feel like I I agree with you wholeheartedly because there 
there is sometimes a thin line. So I, I do yeah. understand the critics out there. They're saying that, you know, these artists are not true musicians because they're not playing an instrument like a guitar or bass or drums or what have you. But yeah. there is an art to sequencing these things and editing these yes. things and mixing and mastering these things. And I liken it to this, you know, just like the Beatles were influenced by like the Farrelly brothers and used a lot of their same music theory and three chord, uh, three chord chord progressions. We're seeing yeah. the same with uh, electronic musicians that are taking a lot of the sounds of the past and reusing them in different ways, reimagining them, if you will, into something new, fresh. And I do think they put their own spin and signature on it. I will ask sure. you this, you know, every <laughs> almost the the album has a lot of motifs and a lot of similar arrangements and all mm-hmm. there's a lot of bridges where they just play chords the the main chords yeah. of the piece that anchors the piece down they're usually in four chord progression um uh sections you know together and mm-hmm. i there's a part of me that feels like you probably have a better ear for this than me there's a part of me that feels like they're really playing those like just spotted is uh or and there's a part of me that's like no even those are sampled as well do you feel like the whole album is sampled a la like a dj shadow or do you think there mm-hmm. is parts of of true musicianship or uh, not true but traditional musicianship where they're playing synth lines in addition to the sampling work they've done I, to me, it sounds like it's a mixture of both. Yeah, that's and, how it feels to me. And and I, I feel like that's a pretty common thing too. Like even like even Daft Punk and stuff. There's some stuff that they had somebody come in and most, play guitar riffs. Yeah, and things most like musicians that. Yeah. in the beginning, like their first class, you know, music theory 101, they're just learning basic chords that go together, right? Yeah, C major, C minor, you know, things like that. Um, yeah. with like the one, four, five, you know, kind of music theory motifs. I won't go too much into yeah. that stuff. And they're usually in a lot of pop music. These like the four chord phrases are very common, you know, cause this is still oh, yeah. in a way pop music or dance music. Um, even though it has a lot of heavy rock influences and distortion. Yeah. Well, going back to your, your kind of example, the Beatles and the, the chords, I mean, you know, there's very, you, you can watch, you can go find this on YouTube and you can find out like there's three or four chords and that made up most of the pop music for like, 20 Oh my years. God. Yes. And still today. Oh yeah. And you see that too, with a lot of things, um, and that's okay. Like that's, that's okay. not totally. Yeah. I mean, a big a big thing with grunge and some indie going into the two thousands was power chords. Yeah. I mean, most of the grunge, a lot of your favorite bands, and I won't go into detail on it, but <laughs> they're just playing power chords. They're playing power and, chords. And yeah. Anybody that's played guitar that's, knows. It smells like Teen Spirit is the most famous. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're thinking? And of? That's nothing that's, against Kurt Cobain. Yeah, it's the most famous power chord riff of all time yeah. it smells like teen spirit but it, it's nothing against his art like his guitarmanship or anything i've always like said that, brilliance just, is, is in simplicity yeah i mean and that that can happen on a lot of things i i i'm kind of a foodie and i i <laughs> i also think that simple simplicity in in that can you know, simplicity also be, yeah simplicity yeah. that's a hard one so, yeah. so, so, F, 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 let's uh let's move on to track two let there be light because this is a perfect pairing with Genesis oh, yeah. because I how how many times Melts right into oh it. my god how many times has this happened to you I was some because I was listening to this album up at least once every day for a week before we actually recorded this piece and there'd be times when I would forget when it actually went into track two I still thought it was Genesis because it was that yeah. similar they're using a lot of the same arrangements motifs the the true um line is exactly that 16 note phrase hi-hat that brings you into the piece but Mm -hmm. how things are paired with the chord phrases and everything 
like that, especially when we get to the 60 note guitar uh, riff later in the track. It's like it's it could have been one long piece like they didn't. I mean, they did that for us, you know, because most people don't like to listen to one track for 10 minutes. They want to listen to two, four, five minute tracks. Right. Unless you're like a jam band, like like fish, you love the dead. You love fish. You love. Well, that's a you different know, string cheese incident. Jam band. Yeah. You know, and you're just out there. Improv. Your, your body's just moving. That's what it is. It's like jazz yes. improv. It's it's just improv yeah. for uh, one track that's 45 minutes long. But that's different because that's that shines in live music, but not in a recording. You know, no. in a studio recording, you want to have those breaks because what happens? You but find... does it always shine in, in live? <laughs> well, you have. I, my point is, is you, everyone has their favorite tracks and you want to go straight yeah. to them. Right. You don't want to have to yeah. like fast forward through it or some shit like that. But again, it's uh, the, the bridge has the four chord structure that anchors it. And that's perfectly heard in the chorus. But it closes with this very bright ending, of course, because we finally get to a single which is track three d-a-n-c-e mm-hmm. or dance which is if you actually study this this is an ode to to mj to michael jackson well the whole song itself it you know starting out it was the biggest hit on this you, you've seen it on commercials and stuff like that but it, One, it's two, very three, catchy four, it's a very poppy yeah yeah the you know and it's kind of a perfect like pop edm kind of sound on it but yeah, this is the big hit of it. Uh, great song, in, in my opinion. It's oh, I got love it. a lot of, yeah, I love it. Uh, it's not my favorite track, though. Oh, ooh, ooh. So. Hold your favorite track till well, the we'll very, very end. So even yeah. when we get there, I don't want you to tell me if it's your favorite. Okay. I want you to All save right. it to the end. Because you got to do the D A N C E, one, two, three, four, five, yeah. stick to the B E A T. Get ready to ignite. Ready so to ignite. Um, yep. they, um, and he, and the very like, this is how you really know it's, um, it's a tribute, an homage to not only Michael Jackson as an artist, but to the music he used to make. Because you were such a you were such a PYT is the very next line. Yeah, pretty young thing. Pretty young thing. Yeah. And um and you can hear and 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 catching all the lights just e- just easy as ABC, like one of his famous uh singles when he was in the Jackson Five, and that's how you make it right. And mm-hmm. uh yeah, this was uh, this it really shines, especially when we have those those two dark apocalyptic kind of pieces, and then we have dance <laughs> come in. Yeah, it's it's definitely the brighter, happier. Oh yeah, especially like let there be light. It's kind of a, a very operatic motif too. Yeah, like coming Going out back of like to that, a, yeah. a struggle. Yeah, and then coming. There's a story in, there. There's a story there within the music that you're coming out, and then to this like very bright, uh, kind of more happy. Um, more major tone kind of song, but still a great track. I mean, the, the the one thing about these, you know, too, it's like when I first heard this, you know, you love it. And then when you hear it so many times, like when I started hearing this song in commercials a lot, that's when I was just kind of like, oh, <laughs> we've arrived. Yeah, like kind of one <laughs> of those things. And and you're like, I know you felt that way with it. Get Lucky. I remember when you were like, Novo, oh, I can't, I cannot listen to this fucking song one more time. I'm going to blow it, my brains every out. Every time I... T- I w- walked into a place. I felt like it was on the radio. It, was it really the was the, su- the song of the, that the summer. Song of the summer. Yeah. Uh, and I, I never got, I never, it never got too old to me, but I remember <laughs> I, 
distinctly remember you telling me one day, no vote, Jesus, I'm going to kill, I'm going to blow my brains out if I hear this one more time. Yeah, it, it, and it's sad because it don't, it pretty much ruined the out, random access memories for me a bit. Really? Unfortunately. Oh, yeah, man, it really did. Tangent Corner, let's go. But it, really, I thought it was, I thought it was their, um, you know, their fair, fair, a perfect farewell album for that career as Def Punk. Yeah, it was no, a perfect it, album it, in so many ways. And don't, yeah, don't get me wrong. It, it's a great album. They deserved, and I love Daft Punk. I mean, yeah, we know. Oh, yeah, we know. We, we did a show on it. We don't, don't, don't hit, don't click kill here. me on this. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter, don't come after um, me. But like, yeah, it's just one of those things. I don't know. It's like, you, you, you kind of ruined the magic a little bit of it because it was such a brilliant concept. And, Bringing in Nile Rodgers and oh, there's like Julian Casablancas is on that. Yeah, Pharrell, like so many and, and so many you know, me, I'm a big NERD. G- Giorgio um, Moroder, <laughs> jo- yeah, Giorgio Moroder. I mean, these just like you know legends, pillars. Yeah, of, of EDM. Uh, he was the well, pillar of that, EDM, or disco. You know, and, yeah, with Donna and, like, Summers yeah, and, and the stuff he did yeah. with that with disco in his day. Yeah. He really created that four on the floor bass beat. You know, every EDM track. There it, it what brings it back to dance for a second. I know as a bass player, mm-hmm. you were you were having a few gasms with that killer rhythm section of bass line throughout this this piece, right? Oh yeah. I mean, there are reasons why I listen to certain songs like the way I do. And uh, this is an, uh, that's kind of one of the reasons I do love the bass line in this quite a bit. So bass man myself, a bassist. Aficionado. Aficion- <laughs> well, yeah, not I, I don't play as much as I used to, but yeah, you, you kind of look for inspiration. This was one of the fun ones that I used to kind of toy around with um, as well um, as like also listening to, like old Commodore albums and oh, yeah. trying to keep up with those. Those were intense, but yeah. And much like Let There Be Light was in a way an interlude to to the single dance. So is track number four. New Jack is kind mm-hmm. of this interlude piece for what eventually becomes the centerpiece of the album which is phantom parts one and two so new jack is uh to me i'll tee you up with i feel like this is justice at their most daft punk since we were just talking about daft punk and yeah. fx twin in terms of editing on the back end yeah i would say it feels a little bit more daft punky i i think if you didn't know if you played this song for somebody and they didn't know who justice or was and you asked them who's this sound like they would definitely say this sounds like a daft punk song yeah yeah and maybe that's where they got some of the inspiration from i'm sure it was but i mean i still think it's a great track definitely there's a drum machine in here you know of them kind of playing you know, some different spoilers yeah, uh hitting hitting some different um you know beat repeats but yeah yeah and that leads us to track five phantom which is the centerpiece of the album which is fast choppy and of course edited to perfection another standout bridge and with pretty consistent hooks and it's i would say it's the closest thing on the entire album that's it's the closest thing to an, to having to a piece having actual songs arrangement structure i'd say that's close to it yeah i mean it definitely it's got an interesting kind of especially phantom towards the latter part of it's got kind of a interesting i don't know if i want to call it a vocal it's got this sound there's a lot of like hard like really um like sharp almost industrial sound and i think that's part Uh, of the hook you know which or you could call it the chorus of the the melodic motif that is repeated because it's short and tight whereas in phantom 2 phantom part 2 
it's long and spread out and it, and it gets mm-hmm. brighter with the synth strings where this one is more rock heavy distortion grinding yes you know grinding that kind electric of sound. exactly kind of sound. and it, it again it's perfectly that's why they named it that way it's perfectly paired with this the second half of it um since again if you weren't if you were on your peloton or fucking jogging or you know, cleaning your kitchen or whatever the fuck you're doing, you're not going to know when it goes into Phantom Part 2 unless you're paying close attention to this. That's how yeah. closely tied they are together. But they're they're very it's it's like it's like the, the dark side and the light side with Phantom yeah. 1 and Phantom 2, respectively, especially with Phantom 2 having those longer melodic hooks that really spreads into those shining synth string arrangements. And it just, you know, for lack of a better word, it gets kind of pretty, which leads perfectly into track seven yeah so yeah definitely more of an operatic operatic kind of sound too you definitely have strings coming in in phantom part two and then leading into valentine but um, i'd be before we get to valentine that baseline the baseline in phantom two specifically is another standout for me where i was like oh ah, yeah sh- fuck jesus christ yeah <laughs> yeah no it's a, it's a classic and, it, and it's a, it's you know it's not too like complex either but it's got like a nice little bass slap going on yeah uh, back and forth so yeah you definitely get some kind of funk and disco vibes from this one as well but yeah though it's it's this is probably we're probably on my my one of my more favorite tracks on this is well you raise a good point uh the disco is really everywhere so if you were to listen to this uh through some sort of you know ableton live or pro tools and you could clean up the distortion you're going to hear a lot of the lines be basic disco chord progressions or rhythm mm-hmm. sections or arrangements so it's it's in there it's just you got a dick it's it's, it's in not, the dna yeah it's in the genes it, you it's know. in it's in the floorboards so to speak yeah you just have to look for it you got to find it you got a dick and that brings us to track number seven valentine which is arguably easiest or easiest to argue the the most bright and pretty of the entire album yeah and it it acts like another interlude into another single the party uh but it's a you know it's a really pretty piece it's really sweet and i enjoy i never i there's not a track on here that i ever really skip like i said this is this is like one of those remember i used to always say this uh party on a disc mm-hmm. uh, back back in the day um there were certain examples of that i used to you know say girl talk was one of those um a couple of you know the too many djs the soul wax side project uh radio soul wax presents part two which i'll talk about more at the end here but like those kind of albums this is definitely one of those another one is uh rapture oh yeah do you remember oh them? i love rapture uh rapture yeah. echoes yeah <laughs> that's a great album. even though it's more of a rock dance kind of thing right. that's another one that you can just play the whole thing and listen to the whole thing it's kind of a party so yeah again that's kind of what this is but yeah like you said valentine is an interlude to add to to those other musicians i was really into disclosure about this time oh the okay. more i was yeah about this time i was like i was late to the party i should i should start there i was late to the party i really got into uh, justice and 
uh, cross, you know, more in the 2010s mm-hmm. than when it first came out. And that was about the same time I was listening to Disclosure with their first LP Settle and things like that and and seeing kind of already that evolution because they were they just came yeah. out in like 2012, 2013, something like that. And it was amazing to see the evolution and tracks, I think, like Valentine were kind of the blueprint for some of these other, you know, other artists to, again, be inspired by and try to recreate and put their own signature spin on. Um, Whereas the party to me, okay, track number eight, the party (laughs) is is interesting. And I want to start by by discussing this piece. Why I feel like it's interesting is it doesn't have a shining chorus it doesn't pop like all the other choruses are written the chorus the chorus kind of plays out like it's a verse kind of i used to call this the kesha track okay why this is this is you it sounds like it sounds like the kesha like the actual singer for the record is yuffie u-u-f-f-i-e this was later on when the kesha album came out but i i when kesha started this i always when I first heard that, I always thought of this track mm. because it kind of starts out like that, like that wake up in the morning, <laughs> you know, kind of, it's kind of got that dun, like dun, lyric kind of cadence there. Let's get this party started, right? Let's get drunk yeah. and freaky fly, you know, it, it but it doesn't yeah. pop, you know, usually, so musicians will often either change keys or give you a tone, like a chord change tone to signal that the chorus is coming. And then it's usually changed in the mix. So it really pops, right? Right? We want it to pop because that's what a chorus is. A choir is supposed to sing it, or we're all supposed to sing it as audience members. And that's, or they call it the hook, you know, because it's supposed to hook you in. That's what that's, yeah. that's why they call it that. And it never really does. Maybe about the two minute mark. It well, into that, I think it's purposeful. Is my is yeah. my ultimate okay. transition because I don't think these are this was this album was clearly very very well thought out and i don't think there's any coincidences or you know non-purposeful things in the album i think everything was purposeful because what turns into the chorus is actually the instrumental drop we see near what we'll call it a bridge to the to the piece and uh so there's a there's a bridge change drop when the synth bass comes in and the song turns into something new something reborn in a way and i also i don't think it's a coincidence that it was designed that way because the the single with the most populous chorus in the entire album is the next one <laughs> dvno yeah so it's definitely setting up like you said it's I like think another interlude it's like you know valentine's yeah, an interlude really for the like party and interlude. the party's an interlude for dvno yeah yeah i think you're i think that's exactly right i haven't thought of it that before but yeah it it almost seems like yeah, it's just kind of getting you set up for the next, you know, kind of last half of this album here. Um, maybe a couple interludes there, but, you know, we're kind of trying to do something a little different here. <laughs> and then we're just going to jump right into the pop pool. Well, because, yeah, it does that. It does that, you know, that synth string that dun, 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 like DVNO, full capital letters printed in gold. And it really that 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 strong poppy chorus that really shines and hits and comes to the foreground. Um, we'll say miraculously. So let's do some more religious fucking metaphors and imagery. Um, <laughs> well, prior to this, you didn't have much vocals other than dance in this whole album until oh, it's a very instrumental these, album. Two tracks. Yeah. 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 And uh, another amazing bass solo outro. And that leads us to, um, the the black sheep of the album 
stress. Stress. Uh, I think it's. I think because it is so different, it stands out in the best way possible, and to the point where I feel like this is Justice at their most Chemical Brothers. And um, yeah. I couldn't. I. I don't know what you always think of when you listen to stress. But I always list, I always think of the Jaws theme, and there's got to be like some fucking YouTuber out there that's already like linked the the, the music of stress to the footage of the movie Jaws. You like the, the beginning? It's got to be. It's it's definitely you know kind of you know influenced by that. But yeah, it it definitely feels like you're saying kind of more of like either an homage or kind of like they wanted to do something similar to a lot of you know that EDM you can see that was around that time yeah because this one definitely has a build-up and a drop oh my god yeah i've i guess in that sense it's probably one of the more traditional edm arrangements yeah not necessarily music and tone choices yeah it's it's definitely not like a soothing no it's it's aptly definitely to get your your ass out of the seat it's aptly named that's why they called it because i felt that way immediately i remember the. i remember i'll never forget the very first time i heard stress i was like oh this is this is stressful this this is oh yeah. god it gets you anxious Ooh. it gives you Ooh. some anxiety yeah uh, while you're listening but to in it, a good way thinks, in a weird yeah. way in a weird way yeah it makes it's a it's a fun feeling of stress like a thrill ride so one thing folks that i why i used to listen to this album so much this was i used to listen to this during my entire workout mm. um i remember when i got in the trail running for a little bit when i lived in the desert I would be running through the desert, and especially when this song got up, this is when I would kind of push myself a little bit harder. Yeah. It's a good one to listen to, I think, overall. I have another uh, improv question for you, then. Sure. Is, is yep. Justice's Cross an album that you consistently listen to over and over again, or do you listen to it one time and need a long break? I think it depends on my mood. So mm. I prior to this show, I had probably not listened to it in about four years. Well, I, I asked because um, I'm glad we're always on, on opposite ends of, of many spectrums. We always meet in the middle. That's why we're, we're perfect co-hosts together. I, I think of uh, Cross as like a movie. Yeah. It's so cinematic and it's so operatic that I, I listen to it and then I need a long, long break from it. But it just like I use the movie metaphor because or simile because... Think about your favorite movies or anybody listening, your favorite movies, because you often don't want to watch the movie right away, right? You don't like in the yeah, movie the and then rewatch the movie. Pants, one of my favorites. Right. And it's, oh, it's been your favorite for years now. So uh, it's, ever, it's all you yeah. can talk about sometimes. It's uncanny. The books, everything. Loves know. it. Yeah. <laughs> he owns the real pants from the movie. But, <laughs> but do you, you get my point? Like, you know, mm -hmm. think of your favorite movies and you'll watch them, you know, and then you're like, God, I love that. But you sometimes you don't watch it for months, right? Or whatever. Oh, yeah. Especially or once if a year. I love, yeah. If I really love the, the movie, yeah. like, like there's certain series, like The Godfather, I usually watch about once every couple wow. of years. And I'll go through the it's whole thing, but test. I don't want to watch it after that. Yeah. Like, and I'll watch all three of them, like not on That's the same day, but maybe test. three nights in a row. Oh my God. Yeah. Especially when you get to the last Jesus one. Jesus Christ. Depending on the cut, um, the, the coda cuts a little bit more, but like, yeah, this one, I probably listened to a little bit more because I found it such a good, something that synced up with my workouts for a while. But like now I look back on it and like I said, I haven't listened to it in a long time. I probably won't listen to it again after we get done with this for a oh, while. Oh yeah, I'll need a long long break. I've been binging yeah. it. And uh that's a good segue to let's let's pull it back, Novo pullback because we need to talk about 
the motherfucking goat, the bring down the house hit, the you can't follow the show shit, and that is track eleven, Waters of Nazareth. Yep, I love this track. It's like it's like dubstep has arrived. I feel like it's finally hit the mainstream with Waters of Nazareth. Uh, it has another chord breakdown bridge, of course. That's how they model most of their arrangements on this piece, and it's. I mean, yeah, you. You you want a curtain call? You want to bring down the house? You put on Waters of Nazareth. Yeah, it's 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 definitely got its full like dance kind of beat thing. I I I always call this the there's a lot of hi hat hits on this one kind of thing, which I always kind of enjoy in this one. But yeah, it it again, this is another one of these tracks where you're blending a lot of different genres together. It feels a little bit on the rock side. It feels a little bit on the EDM side feels a little bit on the disco side a little bit but it's again one of those tracks where you're seeing kind of this whole melting together of all these I different think the types dubstep of genres really together. shines personally i i don't know if i'd necessarily call it dubstep it depends on what you or would, maybe just you know dub. It, it might just be like dub. yeah i was thinking more dub but like i mean there's definitely some elements in there and and it, those guys were probably you know a lot of them were listening to this stuff too you know because a, f- a couple year or two later that's when things really started getting out of control (laughs) you talk about like there was a war of edm artists against each other (laughs) well i don't think it was a war i think i I think it was an interesting time because it became so mainstream and there was it it, to me what i liked actually some of that first because i was like oh this is kind of like it's bold it's punchy it's a little bit i just don't i remember saying because i remember playing some of the first Skrillex songs, I was like, you know, this is kind of cool. It's kind of like rough, but like, I hope none of them like, usually when you find that sound that's so different, everybody tries to copy it and then everything sounds the same. And that's what I felt like that dubstep or bro step era was. Oh God. Yeah. Everything did. And I was a huge burial fan at the time. Um, Later on to, I still like, like burial. so yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I feel like he, I mean, we'll uh, put a pen in this for now, but uh quick note on it i feel like guys like burial burial was influenced by cross i feel like you can hear a lot of cross in later you know in their music later on in their career things like that so let's finish it out and 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 get to talk about that kind of stuff too because that's fun kind of what how this influenced the later generations and we end the album with track 12 one minute to midnight which is if Waters of Nazareth was the the climax of the opera. This is this is the resolution, or I I would even yeah. consider it maybe the epilogue because it it doesn't end on a it ends kind of on a non triumphant note. It just kind of ends in a way. Yeah, I'd say this is the cool down. The cool down, right? Yeah. So we've revved you up. You got <laughs> we threw it down. We had a party. Now we're just kind of... But it does connect with Genesis. That's why it's very cyclical of an album, because we get those synth horns again that we don't really get through most of the album except for the oh, intro. Towards to, the end? Yeah, yeah, through the intro yeah. to Genesis and now in One Minute to Midnight. And again, I don't think that's a coincidence. No, probably not. I mean, again, there's a lot of forethought to this and there's callbacks to other songs and kind of some other themes. So you do kind of see that a little bit in this. But yeah, it's... So it's we're trying to tie a nice bow yeah trying to put a nice bow on this beat just like we like to tie bows on the bees of these these uh podcast shows and i feel i feel like um in terms of its uh rhythm theory i feel like it had the most poignant melody and counter melody rhythms of the entire album like it was just stacked perfectly together uh for lack of a better way to put it where dual lines that you know there's so many lines and 
the main melody and counter melody dual lines that play just just really well over each other. Do you get like the feeling on this one? It's kind of like them jamming a little bit mm, towards the end, or do you I, think it's? I don't know about that. I don't. I yeah. I'd have to. I'd have to respectfully disagree with you there. Oh, uh, why do you feel that way then? I don't know. It just kind of feels like. You're talking about one minute to midnight, right? We're I still am, on yep. that one. Yeah. No, I just think it's just kind of like they're, you know, they're just kind of at the end of it. They're just kind of, kind of playing it out, playing off hmm. the end of the song. Like you know? this just is the kinda... encore, not really the ending kind of thing. Almost. Yeah. It's just kind of like that's playing, why I call it the down, epilogue. Like, like we yeah. we find out what the characters in the opera did after ten years or something like that. You know, and all is well in the universe. So that is it. Maybe they got together. Yeah, they got together. They have they have eight grandchildren. And their love ran so deep that they They released another album four years ago. <laughs> and there you have it, guys. Cross, Justice's Cross, 2007 from beginning to end. Before we, you know, tell the good people why study this artistically, study the album, let's talk legacy. Let's talk influence. Because hmm. I hear obviously acts like Zed, who have publicly said this yeah. album has influenced me. I see it in a lot of the deeper cut uh, EDM artists that I know me and Buck love. Yeah, I mean, this album was definitely influenced by Chemical Brothers, Dap Punk, Prodigy, maybe to an extent. And then this one influenced those other groups, like like you said, Zed. Mark, um, uh, Burial, you know. Yeah, those guys. yeah, I think, yeah, I think there was definitely this, I mean, yeah, th- this was like the biggest thing at that time. I really do think it changed the game and raised the bar. I really felt like a lot of artists were like, oh, shit, we got to not necessarily try to recreate it or copy it. But they were like, oh, shit, I got to do better. Yeah, I, I still think it, it It definitely it was an artistic it was the beginning of the end in your eyes. Yeah, I, I think speaking. I think there was some I think bringing some of those disco elements more into it, you, you started seeing some of that pop up. And I think that was a big influence of this, too, um, kind of mixing more of that rock kind of and disco kind of genres. You, you saw that kind of with some other artists. I mean, this album is not flawless. There's there's definitely some problems that it has. But it was definitely like I, I was just thinking, like, it felt like this was kind of the time right we were getting into some party anthems oh, yeah. uh, songs. Oh, yeah. And I felt like some artists were kind of taking some inspiration from that. So I definitely think that that's where it came in. But like I said, I mean, if we're, we're talking about like this through a, a, a French house kind of lens, yeah. I, I think this is kind of the beginning of the end or the swan song ty- mm. kind of at the end. Other than that, no, I, I still think it was very influential. I think it was a big part of the big EDM push, mm. too. Um, of, that you saw in the late uh, 2000s or like 2010s. So I think that's where, you know, a lot of the influence and impact, definitely people drew from this. This is one of, if you if you take French House and that, this is one of the, you know, kind of like on the Mount staples. Rushmore of albums, the staples, the classics. At the time of its release, you know, I think, like I was saying, you know, the EDM movement was pushing, this felt like it kind of got dance music back to its core a little bit. Um, but it also was very experimental and it was also, you know, clearly thought out to be, you know, viewed as one whole piece for, for example. So when you're talking about EDM, especially that's, that's a little bit more rare. So I definitely think from that standpoint, it can be viewed as something that is a whole piece that you can take and, and do that kind of was trying to bring people back to their roots right before a whole sea change happened within, mm. within the genre. So I definitely think it's it's one of like I said one of those staples of of dance or EDM dance as a whole, especially in the the late two thousand. So 
on that alone, I think that's why it's important, just the impact it had. And there you have it, folks. Justice, LP1, Cross. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank my guest, Mr. T. Buck, for joining us today. But before we go, you know we got a little extra for you, a little icing on the cake, a little cherry on top with what we call the Gym of the Week. If you're new to the show and don't know what the Gym of the Week is, it's something we like to talk about but doesn't always fit into the scheme of our main topic. But we want to talk about it nonetheless because it may be on our radar in the last day, last week, maybe last month, but we want to give it to you guys so you guys can dig deeper. Before we get there, we let's talk their sponsors. Today's gems are brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster is our go-to tool for remote podcast recordings. What's great is that you can record separate audio and video tracks, and it's all backed up on a secured cloud so you never lose your hard work. Even better, it's easy to use, and there's nothing to download. So go to zen.ai slash art of the beholder and get 30% off your first three months with the pro account or just use promo code art of the beholder. Now back to the gems. Mine are, um, I've been very very spoiled the last few months with new Mm. music and i want to tell the good people if they haven't checked it out to check out these three albums special interest the band is called special interest the album is called endure fever ray the album is called radical romantics and boy genius the album is called oh yes record yeah those have been it was just like bang bang boom just great my gym so i've been doing the opposite what you're doing i haven't been listening to a lot so well, one of my music hobbies, episode so i wanted to give a little music yeah no so you know one of my hobbies i've always had this is parrot like, head <laughs> relief yeah we know detoxing par- those yes, parrot, parrot heads. head reliefs uh, rehabbing those parrot heads yes no i've been getting back into like a lot of you know me from this then this was back in the day for me first moved me i was really in the vintage hi-fi equipment and i've been getting go back into on it. so the so i've been getting you buying new equipment <laughs> no <laughs> No. So, no, I've been pulling stuff out of storage. You know, I have a one album. I've been trying to get albums like this. Justice is one of this this album yeah. that I listen to as a whole. That's I like to buy those albums. One that I, I didn't think of, and I would never have guessed it came out in vinyl, but it did. And I just want to, this is kind of a retro thing to go back to. I brought them already up in this, but Soul Wax, uh-huh. their little side project, Too Many DJs, they had what's considered like one of the greatest like mix mixes ever and it's called as heard on radio soul wax part two i got it on vinyl yeah we should probably do a quick improv gym we saw super mario brothers movie we did see it together it was it was exactly what you'd expect it was good it was fun it was it was clearly made for kids and written for kids like a five-year-old had to try to you know that's where i feel like the critics get it all wrong and there's like, there's no plot or it's held together by a fucking string. Yes, that's all true. But again, this was made for five-year-olds, but written for five-year-olds. They had to understand the most basic of plot lines. So it doesn't matter. What matters is set pieces and the characters and the fun, um, you know, Easter eggs. And, you know, it was it was fun. It was a fun romp. And on that note, we want to say, guys, thanks for listening. Miyamoto. We know you're a huge fan, so... Can't wait for the next Zelda. Or Metroid. Ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh that, that would, would be, be good. really that would good. Be good. Yeah. But until yeah. then, guys, if you like that, of course, you can check out some of our stuff at NovaDayProductions.com. You can always follow us at underscore Novo, underscore Day, and Day is D-E, and at NovaDay Media. Do all the things. Like, subscribe. You know what to do. And if you'd like to be on the show, you can reach out to us at NovaDayMedia at gmail.com. And until next time, guys, we'll see you in the next one. So be good to each other. And as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions, created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective.
facebook.com slash novodaymedia, at novodaymedia on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company, facebook.com slash acomusic123, aco on Spotify. Logo design by Tom Justice, J-E-S-T-U-S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.